As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldrich Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. AKA my breast, my my breast impression of thine self, AKA myself. So, uh, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning into the wavelength of me. I appreciate that. You're getting on my level of what you're doing, and and I I am flattered. I'm flabbergasted. Uh, quite frankly, uh, I'm very uh, intellectually aroused by that information. I'm aroused, non-sexually. By the fact that your eardrums are being stimulated by the the center of my core right now. I appreciate that. I like that I am stimulating your eardrums, even though I don't know it. I know I'm stimulating either zero people's... I know that I'm I- at least stimulating my own eardrums right now, and there's the poti- potential for me to stimulate anywhere between zero more people and infinite more people. That is... Uh, my math bla- my math brain working there. I do fit the stereotype. I am a quarter Asian, and I fit the stereotype of having been good at math. Uh, I hate to brag here, but uh, math was always my best subject. I actually got a perfect score on my AP calculus test, which means I took calculus when I was in high school, uh, and I got a perfect score on it. So I tested out of pretty much every math class that I ever needed to take a- uh, again, which is ironic. Because I loved math, and yet I didn't take any math classes in college just because I didn't need to. And I, technically, you're saving money, right? So because math was not part of my degree, aside from some basic statistics classes for business and you know the, the natural math that you do in economics, uh, I did not take mathematics or higher level like you know Calc two or DiviQ as they call it, differential equations. But I've always been good with numbers. As I say, I am very good with calculations. That's my impression of the bad guy, the bad Asian guy in The Dark Knight. Do you guys remember him? You're like, who managed all of the bad guy's monies? Like, as I said, I'm very good with calculations. So that is uh, a skill that I share with the bad Asian guy from that from Batman. Can you believe these Batman casters making stereotypes by having the guy good at calculations be Asian? I mean, these guys are racist, right? I mean, yeah. All right, uh, that's obviously a joke that I may never say again because uh, it is slightly edgy and potentially not funny at all. Uh, Speaking of math, though, math. Today's episode, number 77. Guys, Are you familiar with the symbolic meaning behind the number seven? Are you guys familiar with the symbolic meaning behind the number seven, seven, seven? Do you guys know what that means? Google it. Say symbolic meaning of seven or seven, seven, seven. And you guys might just see 
a picture of Nicholas Cage from the City of Angels. There might be a gif there that says, um, Seth. What I'm trying to say is 777 is a divine number. So, just in case you've ever wondered, hey, if the devil has a number, is God? Well, the answer is yes. It's 777. God's number. Um, that is why it is embedded in secret places such as the Bruce Almighty flick with Jim Carrey. I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, Bruce Almighty said, or when 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 uh, Morgan Freeman said, "Hey, uh, would you like to help me mop these floors?" and Jim Carrey said, "How about a rain check?" as if he was going to get out of it. Morgan Freeman said, "I'll hold you to that," and basically he held him to that. 7 p.m. on the seventh floor, something seven 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 though. They 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 got into our little subconscious most likely on seven seven. Bruce Almighty, one of my favorite flicks. Very very great and deep stuff. The prayer that uh, Bruce Almighty gave to Morgan Freeman really made me cry. I'm not gonna lie, I'm a crier. I cry uh, when I watch Rudy. I cry when I watch the movie City of Angels. I cry when I watch Gladiator, and I cry. When my girlfriend doesn't cuddle me. It's really upsetting. She's not very affectionate, but I'll write back. <laughs> I don't know why I've got a, uh, you know, a Jim Carrey vibe right now, but I'm feeling a little bit of Jim Carrey. I don't know. Maybe it's this uh, episode 777. Oh, write it back. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that's episode 77. So, today is a divine uh, episode. It is, if you guys are... Uh, repulsed by any type of spiritual or religious symbolism and or direct contact and talk, I suggest you turn the episode off because today we are dedicating this episode to Morgan Freeman, all right? <coughs> mm. Oh, righty back. All right. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll do my normal format. I am going to talk about the normal stuff, what's going on going on in the comedy world, what's going on in my world of comedy, what's going on in my world, those will be the four things, but yes, there will be a theme of deeper, uh, and, and I, I think that's become a running theme in some ways throughout my podcast, is this whole uh, Da Vinci Code style guerrilla tactic infiltration of love, you know, I am a, I am, you know, I am the the Da Vinci Code Canadian that uh, Leonardo Da Vinci was in that code. All right, all right then, all righty. Uh, so let's start off by talking about. Let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about the world. How about that? Does that make you guys aroused? Uh, Raytheon and United Technologies might be merging. Pretty interesting, huh? Uh, I don't really have much to say about that. <laughs> don't have much to say about that at all um yeah i'm sorry i wish i had a, a comment but i don't so that's a piece of news uh times magazine oh here we go rich millennials are fleeing from new york city um and so are successful bankers because of the cost of living uh i saw this headline and i giggled to myself we live in a digital world Transparency and honesty 
and things coming to the light are happening more and more. It's as if people have been saying the Lord's Prayer for a while, for a while and things are happening on earth as they are in heaven, uh, meaning that light and truth are beginning to emerge, and people are going, why live in New York? <laughs> this place is so expensive. I'm going to go put my money in, make it last longer, and live in a maybe nicer cleaner area. I don't know. I love New York, so I'm not putting it down. Uh, I do heart New York, but I do think that this place is obnoxiously priced and uh, serves a purpose uh, for the time that I'm here, but definitely not something that I think would make sense for me to do forever uh, here in old New York City. Um, but nevertheless, uh, we live in a digital world, as I said, so jobs are becoming you know, they used to have downtown financial district where I live. I, ba I basically kind of live in a ghost town now because everything is digital. I live in an old bank, the AEG headquarters. In fact, our, we have a movie theater downstairs that is inside of a safe that was once holding who knows how many millions of dollars at any one point in time. Uh, and, yeah, this building is very historical so i live in, in a skeleton and ghost building of the past the past financial dominance of the world but like i said everything is 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 digital now and people are realizing they don't necessarily need to live in new york and pay these ridiculous premiums that exist here so that they can say that they live in new york what am i still doing here I don't know. I, I told myself when I moved to New York that I, I'm talking too much about me. Let's get back to the world. All right. Uh, Time came out with a magazine, The Science of Good and Evil. So that is something I'm going to talk a little bit about in today's episode. But before I do that, uh, I also have a, a magazine that Time uh, released maybe last year. My girlfriend got it for me, The Science of Black. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about that well but let's talk about hockey in the nba finals have you guys been paying attention uh yeah i have mike and i'm speaking for you i guess i'm speaking for some of you or one of you or i imagine at least one of you has paid attention somewhat uh the blues just lost game four so now it is tied uh, sorry i think they lost game six yeah so it's tied at three to three so they're going for the tiebreaker into Game 7. Ironic, huh? How Game 7 is where champions are made. Oh my gosh. It's like 7 is the number that we've talked about before. It's always Game 7, right? For a World Series, for NBA championships, for hockey. Isn't 7 just something, huh? Is that the Fibonacci code? <laughs> Do you guys remember the Fibonacci code? I don't remember... Alexa, what's the Fibonacci code? According to another Amazon customer, Fibonacci sequence. The Fibonacci sequence is a set of numbers that starts with a one or a zero, followed by a one, and proceeds based on the rule that each number, called a Fibonacci number, is equal to the sum of the preceding two numbers. Did that answer your question? No, it didn't. I was asking about uh, that, that divine number in Leonardo da Vinci's paintings. Uh, but I'm going to not ask you another 
question. You talked too much there, Alexis, but you know what? I'm going to treat you with respect, and I appreciate your effort because uh, you might be my boss someday, and I want to make sure that we're on good terms and that, uh, you know, I treated you by the book so that if there's ever some sort of an HR problem, you and I are square and we're on, on good terms. Is that cool, Alexa? move on so that said yeah the blues did lose tonight uh i i'm sorry for the st louis fans but hey let's make it dramatic right go to game seven make it exciting usually when uh championships go don't go to game seven it's just not as exciting it's just not as exciting so will the blues take home the big trophy tbd guys but it all comes down to game seven which will be wednesday night at 8 p.m if i'm not mistaken Tune in so that uh, if the Blues win, then you can you can jump on the bandwagon like everybody else. And uh, if nothing else, at least congratulate my friend Tyler Chafin for being a loyal Blues friend, fan his entire life. Uh, uh, he is the reason for everything with the Blues. I saw a funny thing about bandwagon people. Uh, someone said, uh, don't hurt yourself jumping off the Warriors bandwagon. So I, did, I haven't paid attention. I don't know if they played tonight, but I know that the Warriors are, are down in the series right now. And can I just say, I think it's because their uniforms are so ugly right now. I don't know why they're wearing those gray uniforms. It's repulsive. They deserve to lose with those ugly freaking unis, you know? Uh, I'm kidding. Now I'm starting to sound like Bruno. Oh my gosh, the uniforms are like so ugly. And I should, they should not win just because of the... Uh, you know, the uniforms, like, make me think, like, what are they even mean? Are these people, like, stupid? Do they not know anything about fashion? So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. But, yeah, let's get back to the magazines because that's really all that I have going on in the world. There's been uh, a couple random updates, people running for president or something, you know, in 2020. That's coming up quick, guys. President Trump, he is a. He likes to point out how much good he's done. I uh, I've never seen a president in my life uh, point out how good they are. Uh, have you guys ever met someone who talks about how good they are? Because I have. Uh, his name was Jay Carey. He was a punter for the University of Missouri, and I've never met anybody that talks about how good he is and how much money he makes and how he's a one-upper as well, right? Like, he's one-up to you, and you know that everything coming out of his mouth is bullshit. So I haven't seen a person do that as much as Jake until I saw you know, Donald Trump on TV. There's an interesting parallel between the two of them, and, uh, yeah, that's really all I have. All I have to say about that, but um, let's talk a little bit about the science of good and evil, right, guys? So we've got this magazine. I don't know if you guys can see it here. Oh, and, and for the listeners on just the audio version of my podcast, you obviously can't see me, but if you want the visual that goes with this recording, check me out on YouTube at uh, my handle is LOLDroidStories. Uh, oh, shit, I think I might actually be broadcasting this from a different YouTube channel. I have a few different YouTube channels. The one it appears to be broadcasting from right now is 
Oldsworth's my Michael Old just type in Michael Oldsworth picture of me doing comedy with these Eureka yellow Eureka jerseys. So I think I'm actually <laughs> streaming this from the wrong podcast. Isn't that interesting? All right, so this whole science of good and evil. For those of you who don't like deep spiritual talk, this is science, right? Uh, so this is the study of good and evil and what what that actually means at least in worldly scientific terms i mean as you know time is not time is a uh you know it's like it's like uh you know what time is i don't need to say it anyway why not uh there's all kinds of fun stuff in here right they got a nice table of contents at the beginning that's always good hey table of contents introduction what makes us moral these are some of the topics right the roots of good and evil where the demons play that's one uh, another is diagnosing the disease called evil uh oh why are they talking about so much bad why don't they talk about good okay the next section is good okay it's called good deeds good health good life oh great the section after that can the truly bad turn good oh my god uh the next one is the binality of evil the next one is angels and monsters hey i like how they didn't call it angels and demons that's interesting uh the next one star wars and harry potter the next section is called animal morality is it real Ooh, that's exciting Ew, do animals have the option to think between what is good and what is bad uh then we got one called tales of true heroism the best and the worst the next one is the beasts within us Ooh. Plural? What in the heavens? Uh, the next one after that is the only way forward. And then finally, may their memories be a lesson. Ooh, sounds deep. Alrighty then. Look, they got some pictures of some brains. So they like studied the actual brain makeup of people. Did you guys know that uh, uh, I, one thing that we studied, One I haven't read the magazine yet, but a couple things that stand out. One is the structure of the brain when looked at through an MRI psychopaths and serial killers actually have like a different looking like structure there's like less i forget what it's called white matter or something in their brain uh so from a physical perspective there is a different structure and from a behavior perspective and the the actual makeup of their their mind uh they they lack something called empathy I don't know if you guys have ever studied or heard of the phenomenon called empathy, but I took a strength finder assessment when I was at my last job. I worked for a company at one point called Accenture. I can say that now because I don't work for them anymore. And, uh, you know, they, they're very, you know, science-based. Uh, you know, uh, we had a, a evaluation that each of us took to, de- to figure out our strengths and weaknesses, right? Or at least our, our top strengths. Uh, I had a couple strengths come back. Communication was one of my greatest strengths. Another one was something called the woo factor, which is the ability to win people over. That's that's a pretty strong strength. Strength. Uh, you want that, right? If you're pursuing comedy or if you work in sales, so the ability to win people over. Uh, so communication, strategic thinking was another. Uh, so like intelligent strategy based thinking but my greatest strength of all guys was something called empathy and let me just say no surprise that I'm a a hufflepuff 
let's read one of my favorite sections here, The Great Thinkers. This is a section that has a picture of Darth Vader, uh, Yoda, and Dumbledore. It says, Great Thinkers. No culture is complete without its philosopher king. Yoda, green elephant, and truth be told, latex. I can illustrate with that latex there. It says, he taught, the, he taught Luke Skywalker the full power and dimensions of the Force. And similarly, mentored by Jedi before him, or many me- Jedi before him, so he, he mentored many of them. Dumbledore, the headmaster of Hogwarts, shaped the education of all who came through his doors. They both hung around a long time, too. Dumbledore makes it to about 150 years. hey 150. Good job, Dumbledank. That's long living, my friend. Oh, righty then. Uh, Yoda cracks 900. Holy heaven, my god. Yoda, you be turning me on for an old man. Uh, in the course of their lives, they teach not just the good guys, but the bad. Oh, my god. Uh, Master Yoda ran the Jedi Council as Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader's true identity, came of age. Dumbledore found and helped teach the orphan Tom Riddle, Voldemort's human companion. I, out of, uh, out of everybody in Harry Potter, guys, and I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, the person I resonate most most with is Dumbledore. And though he's an old man, I feel uh, when I when I saw the the newer, what is the the newer one with Newt, whatever he is, he's a, he's a Hufflepuff, by the way, if I'm not mistaken. And um, Dumbledore was younger in in that new uh, what is it, Fantastic Beasts or whatever takes place here in New York. The young version of Dumbledore was played by Jude Law, and I'm telling you. I feel I feel like I'm that dude. You know what I mean? Like I'm the reincarnated version of young Dumbledore. Uh, and I say that with genuine. I say that from the bottom of thine heart. I feel I feel like Dumbledore when he was younger. Uh, moving on, very interesting stuff here. So they talk a lot about the Force and like the, uh, they call it the apotheosis, the the apotheosis of good and evil. Uh, everything about Star Wars, Darth Vader screams evil from the all-black ensemble to his taste for telekinetically choking subordinates to the nasty business of overseeing development of a weapon that can blow up planets. Jeez, Darth, what what's your deal, dude? Freaking blowing up planets? Yeah, what the, what's this guy's problem, you know? But there's a couple quotes in here that I think are pretty fun. Uh, the last section here says wise words. couple easy quotes. Nothing too undigestible for your eardrums, in my opinion, right now. You can pick this version up of Time Magazine that just came up out recently, and you can decide these things yourself. On the cover, it says, What makes us moral? Good deeds, good health, understanding the dark side. Wonderful. All I'm going to do is read these last couple quotes here and then move on, because I'm having fun, and I hope you guys are too, because I freaking love it. L-U-F-F. Wise words. The web of our life is of mingled yarn, good and ill together. William Shakespeare. Come on, Will. No. Bill Shakespeare. Smart guy, I reckon, right? So I guess what they're trying to say is there's good and bad in all of us? Interesting. Jeez, Will. You know? What in the heck? What the heck, dude? All right. 
I like Martin Luther King Jr.'s quote here. This is one I haven't heard of him before, but I really like it. It says, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. That is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil final form. Mm. I'm telling you, that is, that's, that's some true hunting right there, baby. I love that. Good oftentimes appears to be the losing side. Good oftentimes appears to be the losing side. I've experienced it in my life many a time. Many a time. But you know what? What reward and what glory is there in just being a sunshine patriot, right? Why, why, why be a bandwagon, right? Just a bandwagoner of evil. Come on. Don't do that crap. You know? Uh, but also, don't fight for... This is, you want to you wanna know what I really think? If you're going to fight for a side, right, don't just do, like, I think you got to fight for the side, like, how do I articulate this properly? Fight for good, not because you think it will win in the end, which it will, all right? Sorry to be cocky here. <laughs> not just because you think it will win in the end, but because it's the right thing to do, right? Even if good lost go down fighting for good baby you know what i'm saying because that is that is as valiant as they can get how about the gladiator right freaking maximus god that movie's just i was watching it over the weekend it was on and that flick is good that's a good freaking flick you know freaking the emperor what's the emperor's deal in that flick anyway let's uh let's move on to a couple other uh, topics uh, the Science of Laughter, right? This Time Magazine here came out last year. Uh, very cool stuff. Uh, called Special Time Edition, just like the other. Uh, I'm just going to read one quote from this. It says, Last laugh. A day without laughter is like a day without sunshine. And a day without sunshine is like night. That's what Steve Martin said. And uh, in this whole Good and Evil book, it said that... Uh, talked about the importance of empathy uh they talked about how you can be a without darkness you can't see the light right so um you know it, it's very deep without getting too uh scripture based uh and i reckon they're rude and i think i've talked about that enough now so yeah we talked about what's going on in the world let's talk about a quote that my father said. Oh, here's a here's an update in the, the Saturday Night Live world. Um, Alec Baldwin is leaving Saturday Night Live, and I saw a quote saying that's good for Trump. I guess they think it's good for Trump that uh, freaking Alec Baldwin is no longer a comedian from front of him. But I don't know. Is that true? Do you guys agree with that? Uh, either way. My dad came up with a funny quote. He wrote this one. It came to him, so I got to give him credit. He said, but he wrote it for me. My dad wrote me a joke, basically. So imagine me, like, on late night right now doing a, one of my jokes to my monologue. And, you know, just like Jimmy Fallon, all the other late night guys, they have writers. So even when they're writing from their perspective, other people have helped them. So imagine me pretending that my dad didn't write this to me. I wrote this joke to myself, right? When I told everybody I wanted to be a comedian, they laughed at me. 
Well, I became a comedian, and they aren't laughing now. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, it's funny. Uh, and uh, it's a scholarship uh, <laughs> for some people. <laughs> My dad and I are uh, an interesting phenomenon when you put us together. Uh, he's, uh, he, he, you know what, I will say this. My dad gave me uh, a joke that when I was just a kid, it, it always stuck with me. And now when, when like a kid come, comes up to me and says, oh, you're a comedian, tell me a joke. I always tell him this joke because it's clean, it's light, funny, and uh, it always works. I mean, obviously I don't use it in my stand-up, but like in a situation where a human being's like, tell me a joke, this is the type of joke that you can say in that setting. So um, there was this guy who was driving around with three penguins in his back seat, right? He's driving down the highway, cop pulls him over, cop says, excuse me, sir, but you have three penguins in your back seat. And the guy says, yes, officer, absolutely, I do. And the officer says, well, you're going to have to take those penguins to the zoo, sir. That's, you know, and this is kind of ridiculous, but, uh, and the guy cuts him off and he says, officer, absolutely. I, ironically, I'm actually going to the zoo right now. I'm taking them to the zoo right now. And the police officer lets him go, go their separate ways. The next day, at the same highway, same place, same time pretty much, the guy's driving down, he's got the three penguins in his back seat. Officer sees him, he's in disbelief, so he turns on his lights, pulls the guy over and says, excuse me, sir, but uh, yesterday I pulled you over uh, for having these penguins with you, and I said that you needed to take them to the zoo. And the guy said, officer, I did take them to the zoo, and guess what? Today we're going to the beach. So that's that fun little ditty for you. Huh? It's a nice little ditty for you guys, just for you to nibble on and make you tease your minds. Penguins are awesome. Penguins are love animals. They mate and part. They find a partner for life. Um, they're cute. It's very cute. It's heartwarming. Uh, Morgan Freeman narrated uh, a penguin thing. Was it the March of the Penguins? I forget. But oh, Morgan Freeman. You know what a what a what a fun voice that guy has, man, right? Um, yeah, so that's a little bit about what's going on in the world of comedy and the world. Um, I went to a, so one of my friends, speaking of what's going on in the world, one of my friends is a news guy uh, here in New York. He works for NBC. His name is Wale Eliu. And there was a, they have this annual funniest reporter in New York competition. Tonight it was at the com comic strip up in the Upper East Side. And my buddy Wally was, uh, he was one of the contestants. And uh, he went to Mizzou J School. He was on one of my episodes in the past. It was my 30th birthday uh, sausage festival podcast episode where we talked about college and we caught up tonight and went to go support him and watch him, and he freaking killed. It was his first time. He's done stand-up before, like in college. He performed, like, uh, another comedian's act. I think it was, like, a, I can't remember whose act it was. But uh, today was his first time doing his own comedy, his own act, his own stand-up, and he absolutely knocked it out of the park. He's been working on that for a while. It was so fun to watch him. And he won the entire competition. So it was a really big, cool thing. He can have that badge. I posted a picture of us laughing on stage. We were 
talking about an inside joke that we had when we had a class together and we were class clowns. I, I like to call it lecture clowns because it was in college, you know, and it wasn't a class. It was literally like a giant lecture hall of hundreds of hundreds of students that we would make laugh by asking silly questions. We had a really f- unique teacher for art appreciation, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm not even going to try to like recreate it because it, it was one of those you had to be there things, but yeah, we, we, we really we really had fun in there. We played off that teacher, and we probably drove her crazy in some ways with some of the silly questions we asked, but she was a great sport, and we learned a lot about art, you know, art appreciation, and uh, you know, it made me appreciate the Da Vinci Code a little bit, eh? You know? I mean, what? Uh, all right, so speaking of that, have you guys seen, like I, I told you guys today that the undertone of this episode is going to be super spiritual and uh, good versus evil, so, you know, I've warned you now, so here we go. Um, I think that it's interesting how, so have you guys ever been approached by someone that is like holding a Bible and wants to ask you questions uh, in the street? Does that feel weird to you? Because it it feels weird to me, Um, but... It's it's always an it's always an interesting thing. It'll make you stop and think. Sometimes they'll give you handouts, right? And maybe you'll read them later and be like, "Hmm, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this on my own time and behind closed doors and develop my own opinion." I don't know. Maybe you'll talk to them. Sometimes who knows, right? Everyone handles that differently. Some people. What I think is interesting is I've never seen anything clear a subway car faster than somebody who was publicly praying on a subway. Uh, There was a guy who got on, started talking about his spiritual beliefs, and then he led the subway car through a prayer. Don't worry, guys. I'm not going to lead you through a prayer right now uh, and make you all uncomfortable. Maybe you would like it. I don't know. Uh, But what I will say is this guy was reading. He was reciting the Lord's Prayer, as we we all know that one, I I assume. Uh, If you don't, you can Google it if you're curious. Uh, It's a universal... um, it's a universal thing. But, so that's all That's all he was doing. And everyone got out of the subway car at the new, next stop. There was like, I've seen like homeless people sleeping in those cars. And, and oftentimes when they do, there's naturally a, a odor, I guess you could say, that comes with it. And even the odor that I've smelled in some of those cars that, that can clear them out haven't like caused people to clear out faster than this young man that was just out there reciting the Lord's Prayer. It was just me and him in the car. I was I was just enjoying it, having a good time, you know, listening in and uh, taking a gander. Uh, but I, I always thought that that was interesting. And, uh, you know, there's a book. I don't know if you guys have ever read it. It's called The Devil in the White City. I can't help but wonder, is there is there ever going to be a, ever a writer that writes a book called The Angel in the Black City? Because I think that'd be a pretty cool read. You know what I mean? It reminds me of a bi- of a Bible verse. I was talking to my girl about it. It's a Bible verse. Do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? You know, you guys know the rest or not. You want me to finish? <laughs> Do I walk through the valley of the shadow of the shadow of death? But I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Which is, I think that that would be like a good opening line to 
about the uh, the angel in the black suit is his name. Um, maybe that's what the movie City of Angels was about. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe he was an angel in a black suit. Uh, great flick. Let's not do too many doses at once. <laughs> uh, what else though? So we talked about my buddy who, you know, performed tonight, and that was, uh, exciting. Uh, you know, let, let me now talk about, uh, we got some shows this week. Let me talk about my world of got a couple shows this week um you know tomorrow night i'm performing at the pit doing some stand-up doing like a 15 minute set there uh i'm also doing a show at the pit on friday with uh, my group too nice we're, we're an improv and sketch and whatever you want to call it group we do improv sketches social cuts jokes and rotate the crops i get to do comedy with them sometimes so feel free to come on out check our instagrams we got all kinds of stuff too nice is our group name Follow us on Twitter. I don't know. I don't know. I don't fucking know. You know? Do what you want, man. You know? Live you, live your life, bro. Do you, you know? <laughs> Dude, like, it's like, cool, bro. Like, I don't know. So, wow, I can't believe how much we've already talked about. Uh, I've got a funnier die. Person who works at funnier die is taking a look at our sketch videos, the Midwest sketch bandit. So that's pretty exciting. Excited about the fact that you know we're having uh, some eyes on it. So if you guys are intrigued, take a peek, take a gander. Uh, tonight when I was watching my buddy Wally, not Whale, it's W A L E by the way. So it, you can find him at Wally Four TV. It's W A L E, the number four TV, all one word. On Twitter, you can find the rest of his stuff there, uh, like you know access to him online him on news one all the time as well but i think uh one joke that stuck with me tonight that i thought was really hilarious is you know he spells his name w-a-l-e and he was making fun of how people call him all kinds of stuff you know he's like it's wally not whale right and the way he presented it was very funny but uh while i was there i got to see gladys do you guys remember gladys simon the lovely comedy godmother uh of the comic strip it was very nice to see her she looked great and, you know, was in good spirits. It was very nice to see her. She asked me if I have a girlfriend yet, and uh, I said, yes, Gladys, I'm sorry, uh, but you can't, you know. <laughs> <coughs> My God. That's what I get for making a joke like that. I just start coughing. Bad joke, bad joke. Mm. But uh, it was great to see her, lovely lady. God bless Gladys Simon, right? Um, yeah, so, um, you know, one of the things that I think is, is, is fun is I want to talk about something uh, in something going on. I was nominated to do this Facebook challenge. As you guys know, I talked a little bit about it in the last episode, and I'm almost done with it now. Today was day nine of ten. And I think it's pretty cool, right? Uh, it was a cool little nomination by my buddy Jamie Vaughn. He nominated me to do it. It's funny because I've been posting these pictures every day for the last nine days now uh, of 
something that had to do with me and, you know, personally. Like, I guess I choose the, the photo. And I nominate a new person each day to, to take up the challenge, right, to, to post their own funny photos. And I think it's hilarious because I don't think a single person <laughs> is accepting the challenge, right? I think me and Jamie are the only people doing it. And I can completely understand why. I mean, football is – what football means to each of us individually goes beyond anything that, that can be compiled into, into a freaking Facebook post. Facebook is – it's fun or whatever, but, but – what football means to us is, is so deep, and I was hesitant myself to even put anything out there, really. But it makes it easier when you're just posting pictures without explanations or whatever. Um, actually explaining it and articulating it, actually, it's, it's kind of like really putting a piece of yourself out there. And I, I just, as a result of that, I would be surprised if anyone that I nominated actually took me up on the challenge because it, it's kind of like, when somebody is like, oh, share this post, blah, 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 if you care about people who have X disease or whatever, it's like, don't put that on our shoulders. So anyone who I've not nominated, I hope that you're not mad at me for nominating you. I don't expect you to, to take it up. I just wanted to let you know I was thinking about you. And, you know, you obviously, whoever I nominated means something specific to me uh, in my own football journey. But day one was was a picture of me playing when I was... You guys can find this on uh, Facebook if you want. I, I think this is the part where people probably tune out because they're like, all right, Mike's talking about himself. Uh, I've got another thing out of this podcast that I want. I'm actually going to skip around a little bit, but um, day one was me running the football uh, when I was seven years old. It was when I caught my first touchdown flag football. I actually got cut my first year. I tried out for this football team called the West County Spartans. Absolute badass. It was a weight class. We had cheerleaders, tryouts. You know, I was seven years old. I was the youngest and smallest kid on the team. I got cut. I remember the head football coach at the time. His name was Mark something, but he was a he was tough, you know. And I was not ready to be as physical as required for for that team. You know, I was young. I was, I, I you know, I didn't even know about the contact. But like we were Spartans. We we were some tough mofos, alright, and uh, I had to get I had to get beefed up a little bit and get a little bit of tougher, I think I was like 95 pounds at the time, and you know, 7 years old or whatever, anyway, this is a picture of me, I played flag football that year after I got cut, because, you know, I couldn't play tackle, and this was my first touchdown for the Indians, and it was like flag football, great stuff, you know, type of thing, where you, you know, go have like a a ceremony at the end of the season, get some trophies, you know. But uh, I tried out for the, the Spartans the next year. I, I nominated Darnell Antoine Farrell. He's uh, He's been an important person for me uh, in football. He was number three in high school. He was a star star NFL caliber, Division one recruit, you know, big-time recruit for the University of Missouri, went on to play cornerback there. We were on, we were on a track team together. We were on a football team together. I used to hold his blocks. That's not some sort of a pun. But when we ran track, he was one of the fastest 200-meter runners in the state. In fact, I think he was runner-up second or third in a very fast year at the Missouri State track meet his senior year. Amani Butler was running at that time. Amani was a guy who went to Parkway North High School in Missouri uh, and just shattered a, a ton of records. But I remember DT ran against him. 
GT would ask me to hold his Glock, which is the biggest honor ever because as an athlete, you, in some ways, a lot of us are super superstitious. You know, football means so much that you kind of get a little superstitious from time to time. And I guess GT felt like I was a good luck charm. And he did something for me. Not only did I look up to him, you know, he's a great athlete. He kind of reminded me of Booby Miles, you know, in the movie Friday Night Lights. He was just God-given tremendous talent, you know. And, uh, you know, it was just cool to, you know, have that connection with someone who was so athletically gifted. And we were friends, you know. He was nice to me always and looked out for me and, you know, just just a good, good, you know, a good big brother to have around. And uh, when he graduated, he asked me to carry on his number, number three, uh, which is another divine number, uh, divine number three, you know, it's all kinds of Kabbalah stuff, Trinity, all that stuff, but nevertheless, GT handed me his number, and that's, that was a huge honor for me to wear number three, because, uh, it, you know, it, your number is something that's very special to you, we've talked to before, I've had my friend Caleb Medley on the podcast, we talked about the meaning of 48 to him, and you know, we've all wear, worn different numbers over the years, you know, three for me, uh, 12 was my number consistently uh, for for a period of time. Uh, I've, wor- I've worn a ton of numbers, 31 in college. Uh, but yeah, so that, w- that was the first day that I posted. The second day I posted, I uh, nominated Caleb Medley, and it was a picture of me with Chase Kaufman. Game day on the Mizzou football field where there's a ton of cheerleaders. Chase Kaufman's awesome. He's uh, I put it on Twitter and he retweeted it, baby. Heck yeah, appreciate that, Chase. Chase is the man. I got to see him when I went to Columbia uh, recently, and just a freaking good dude. You know, like he's he had a good home life growing up. He's always been humble. We used to study together in college. He was a cool kid, and he he didn't mind. Oh, I just dropped all my hats. He didn't mind, you know, hanging out with me and studying with me and just being just being a good just being a good teammate, you know. Still is, always has been, always will be. And uh, I'll always appreciate that from Chase. So he's not on Facebook, but that dude is. Uh, yeah, can't say enough about Chase. Next day was a picture of me running down a field. Uh, it's a black and white photo, number three. Nothing but the scoreboard in the, in the front. That means that everyone's behind me just in case you were running me. I'm running for the end zone. I nominated my buddy Scott Rudhauser. That was the night that I broke the school record for most receiving yards in a game at Eureka High School. 190 yards in four catches. So that means I averaged 45 yards a catch. And they only threw me the ball five times. I think... Uh, one of the passes got knocked down or something, but that was a special night. John Sumner was there. That was Tom Sumner's son. I remember him on the sidelines. He was the one who was taking notes, and he was the one who told me I broke the record. Uh, so that was really meaningful. Uh, appreciate you being the one to message that to me, John Sumner. Appreciate that. <laughs> so that was, of course, post 3 of 10. Uh, those are good numbers. That was a district game against Chaminade. So it was a big, important game. Uh, the next post, uh, I nominated Brian Schrader. He was uh, one of my high school teammates. He played for played for a while. He went on to play college football. Uh, Ryan really, really, fo- Eureka football meant a tremendous amount to him. And sometimes you don't know 
what something means to somebody until you see a little bit more than what meets the surface, right? And when we lost our last game, um, it was against uh, Rockwood Summit, uh, it was district 10th game of the year, senior year. I'll never forget it, you know. It was, uh, I thought it was the last time I might play football at the time, and I remember walking away from the field. They tried to throw me the ball at the end of the game in one last Hail Mary, and it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't work out. I didn't, uh, I wasn't able to come down with the, with the pass, with the reception. And, uh, I remember, you know, they, the, 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 the Falcons played very well that night. You know, they played better than we did. And that's how the game goes. Sometimes you lose, right? Uh, but when we got home, Ryan Schrader started hyperventilating. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but he was... He had a panic attack after we lost, and it was really sad to see how much it affected him. I mean, I was sad. I was crushed after that, right? We weren't going to go to the playoffs. We weren't going to move on. We all wanted to. We'd worked our whole high school careers, and the season was over. You know, that was it. And to to see how it affected Ryan, like, I thought I – I felt like I tried as hard as I possibly could. But I, I told Ryan once, and I meant this, that, after seeing how it affected him, it made me wish I could go back to try one more time because I just can't, you know. And that's the truth. I um, it was heartbreaking to see how how much it affected him, you know. And I think that's part of what a team is, right? Sometimes you play for you play for a bigger purpose than yourself, right? When I see someone like Ryan Schrader hurt so much by that, it makes me want to play harder for him. And, and it motivates me current day, you know, to, to keep pushing for my teammates, you know, to keep on, you know, pushing forward to, to keep pursuing the dream, to keep moving forward. So I, I tagged him in this post, and this post was a, a news article. I tagged Jeremy Macklin, Jared Perry, and Denario. They all went on. I know Denario and J-Mac went on to the NFL. Jared might have played semi-pro, or he might, he might have had a chance at the NFL. I, I don't know. I'd have to look him up. But Jared Perry was a tremendous athlete as well. All Everyone in this article here, the four of us, were all mentioned. And it was just a little blurb uh, from the St. Louis STLToday.com when, we when I was uh, on the team with these guys. It said, wide receiver Jeremy Macklin had several heads turning today with some sure-handed catches. Kinkle said Macklin is excited about being able to play at full speed with his team. He's listed as third at JC Sigma on the team's depth chart behind Jared Perry, Perry who moved from X receiver. And Denario Alexander, but I'd use a spring depth as the guy to move him back. So that was paragraph one. The next one is about me. It says, speaking of wide receivers, Michael Oldroyd, a redshirt freshman from Eureka, made some nice diving catches in practice. Oldroyd is a walk-on, but already a favorite among some of the other receivers. During a one-on-one drill, several teammates were standing up. They spelled my name wrong, by the way. <laughs> M-I-C-H-A-L-E. It's A-E-L, right? Get it right, C-H-A-E-L, which means of God, by the way. C-H-A-E-L means part of God. So, uh, get it right, you freaking buffoon. Spell it right. <laughs> anyway, uh, the next post was uh, day 5 of 10 of the picture of the Eureka football team. This was my junior year with the varsity squad for JV. So, the guys in the purple on this pic were all varsity. Uh, and then the most of the sophomores behind us were the uh, 
week, I covered Georgia Brown. I nominated my teammate, Dennis Bassett. Dennis Bassett and I are brothers. Um, he always believed in me. He always was positive. I told him I wanted to play in the NFL. He never shot me down. He always he always said, I believe in you. I believe you. you know. D- Dennis Bassett always – have you guys seen that movie with Eminem? Uh, Eminem, 8 Mile? Do you remember that one dude – who was like really he he like was always in Eminem's corner he was trying to help him out get him on stage announce him uh, I forget the dude's name in the sh- in the movie but he was basically like he was there like you know I believe in you man like get up there do it right and I always felt like Dennis Bassett was was kind of that guy for me you know and he was sad he was a couple years older than me I think he played with the I think him and GT were the same age they lived together in college, actually. One of my best friends, Chris Blackerby, who's been on my podcast, the three of them lived together in Mizzou when I first went up there. And I, I remember we had so much fun. I, I went over to the house one night, and we were just laughing. And it was just this type of bond that goes so much deeper than anything superficial or Instagram-like heavy. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things where you're spiritually moved by the presence of these people. That's what friends are, right? That's what a friendship could be is where you're truly just – thankful and happy to be around this person or this group of people and I was so happy to be around my buddies here my 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 sports buddies you know Chris ran track with us in high school for a, a bit uh, he's a big basketball guy he wore number three as well by the way um, uh, and you know Chris loves basketball he still loves basketball of course who doesn't though right but uh, Dennis got hurt his senior year Dennis uh, broke his femur and uh, he was out, and it was very devastating that he didn't get a chance to, to cash in on all the hard work he had built up to. Your senior year is the year to shine, you know, for a lot of us, uh, most of the people who, who play sports in high school, you know, senior year is a big deal, right? QB Miles got hurt his senior year, and he was playing at life, and it's a tragedy to see that, but, you know, Dennis has always been a good friend, and we love him. I love you, Dennis, if you're ever listening to this, and I miss you, dude. We haven't caught up in a while, but freaking gotta change that bro anyway day say day six of ten we got paul simpson who are my buddies at mizzou he was friends with gt also friends with me i mean we were all friends right we're all teammates but paul wore number six uh he made that he made six a godly number i can say that much paul simpson is uh one of my one of my buddies and he was a defensive back with gt and I used to go against those guys all the time at practice, and they would always encourage me, you know, help me off the ground. There were some guys that would try to discourage me from working so hard, but I started to, like, overcome that negative energy, and they would start to help me off the ground. I mean, you saw the news article here where people were chanting my name. Like, people started to respect you, and it builds momentum slowly over time, just like the movie Rudy, if you guys have seen Rudy. You know, you got to battle through, like, that negative everything and being treated like you're less than less than equals and you know all these things and earn that respect you know which kind of leads me to to that post itself when it comes to earning respect uh, Terry Steve was the picture here on day six of ten and uh, Terry Steve was our seventh and eighth grade football coach and seventh and eighth grade he told me so we the only time in my life where the team would actually anonymously vote for team captain, right, was in seventh and eighth grade. Um, 
the rest of the time, coaches always nominated the captain, right? They were always the ones who chose it. Terry did an open bout, like a democracy, and something unique happened, and I'm not bragging, but we're talking about this, and this all comes back around to when it comes, when he says it comes to, you know, earning the respect of your teammates. He said that the biggest honor that you can ever receive in the game of football is the respect from your teammates, and he told me that I earned it because I was the only person who was not just voted once, unanimously, or whatever you want to call it, to be uh, one of the team captains for the year. I think they had four team captains this year, but I was the only person to captain for both years right and he told me that that's the highest honor that anyone could ever receive in the game of football so that means a lot he took me to dinner one time and uh he told me that he you know this is when i was playing football in mizzou he took me to dinner one time and he told me that he can tell by the look in my eye that uh that there's a light there and that he believes he believes at the time he said these words watching me and that he notices it and that he's rooting for me. He believed, he told me that he believed, believes that Coach Tinkle was secretly rooting for me and that he believed that Coach Tinkle could see the fire, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. And uh, he told me, um, he, he used an analogy, uh, you know, when we said bye and he gave like that analogy about how, you know, some people have a lot of hat and no cattle, you know. Um, he told me that uh, I have a hell of a lot of cattle, and he gave me a real tight hug, and he said, don't ever lose all your fucking cattle, and I'll never, I'll never forget that. So, uh, day seven of ten, of course, Divine number, number seven. I chose Chase Patton. It's a picture of just high school for me. Just a couple teammates. John Matheson and um, Nelson Morath and uh, Eric Heidi. And, uh, you know, these guys, uh, you know, this is our JV and I had this special connection on the field. We pretty much one out of every two times that he threw me the ball, I scored that year. I think I had 500 yards receiving and 25 receptions and 10 touchdowns. So one, one out of every 2.5 times I touched the ball, I scored. And I remember our coach, Coach Cleveland, uh, he got, we were watching film one day, and he got mad at us, and he said, he got mad at the offensive line saying, you guys are just, you guys are taking the easy way out because you know that if we get to third down, that old Jordan Heidi will bail you out. He goes, so you guys aren't even trying when we're running the ball anymore because you know that Heidi and old Jordan will bail you out on third down. And for those of you that don't know football, uh, that's obviously a huge compliment to Heidi and I. You know, we, we obviously couldn't do it without the offensive line, but it was just a funny exaggeration. Uh, sometimes true, maybe. You know, I don't know uh, at the time. But, you know, Heidi and I had that, we had that magic touch, man. It's that divine gift, number seven and number three.
Heidi was number seven his senior year. I was number three. And uh, it was out of this world. I'm telling you, literally, like, he would throw the ball up. And I'm so thankful for that season because, you know, I was able to at least experience what it felt like to, you know, just, you know, just to have a significant impact the way that we were able to this year. We were undefeated, you know. We would just throw long passes, and I just marched down the field and score. It was it was a real special time to be able to you know to do that. And Heidi just uh, he would stay late, throw the football all the time down at the senior year. He ended up getting hurt his senior year, and that was sad because his junior year is when we played JV together. His senior year, he got hurt early in the season, broke his clavicle, and we never really got to recognize our true potential on the varsity. And you know, not to make it selfish, it's a, it's a team thing always, right? But, you know, I was kind of, I wanted to get a full-ride scholarship to a Division One school, and, you know, the guy who stepped in for him did a great job. He was, the guy who stepped in for him, you know, could break the school record with me in my first season there in the game, but I never really got a chance to, you know, see what, see what could, we could do together on varsity, you know, Eric and I, and, and uh, you know, it is what it is. There's a reason that happens for everything, and it is what it is. And I chose Chase on this day. Eric's not on Facebook. I would have chose Eric. I would have chose Chase on a different day because Chase deserves the day. But Chase was a quarterback that, you know, I'm just so thankful for for all the times that we spent. We 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 stayed on the football field until we got kicked off. We we stayed on the field until we got kicked out of practice early days, pretty much after practice at Mizzou. And it was just, it was a true honor to be able to receive the football from a guy of that stature and caliber. And Chase has got an amazing story. I actually recommend looking him up. He's, him and his wife have been battling. She's been battling cancer for uh, some time now. They have a couple kids, and there's ways to get involved and help out. And, you know, Chase has just been a selfless guy. You know, he's one of the few people who always stuck to his Christian principles. Uh, and he, he proved, you know what I will say this, I do think that Chase honored God through his service to me. And what I mean by that is he was giving it up for a higher power of unselfishness. He served God through his service to help me with my dream come true, to help make me a better receiver. He didn't have to do that. We had a special connection. He he loved doing it. I assume he loved it just as much as I do, but I can't speak for him. Uh, I'm so lucky to have gotten to, to, to run around and catch passes in the Missouri Tiger football stadium with him. And, uh, you know, I, I keep him in my prayers and his family. I hope Ashley is – seems like she's doing a lot better. She's made it through a ton of chemo treatments. But, you know, keep send prayers to, to that family because uh, – there's some special people, and Chase is a real special guy. Um, yeah. Uh, day 8 of 10, posted a picture of me when I was 7 or 8 years old. I think it was. I think I was maybe even 9 at this time, but I was playing for the West County Spartans. And uh, I said, uh, like all Spartan children, I began my agogia at age 7, taught never to surrender. Uh, it's actually... As silly as that may sound, it's actually true. I did start playing football when I was seven years old. Uh, I was a Spartan. That was my first tackle football team. Uh, you know, and, and our coach at the time, 
the year after I got cut, a new guy came in and James Porter, Jimmy Porter. He had a son. His name was Jimmy Porter. Also, I'll say Jimmy Porter the second. Uh, and uh, he respected that I didn't give up, that I came back out, and they made a good spot for me, and they started throwing me the freaking football. And by the, the second year, so the third year total, they would they actually made a spot on the team where I was I was catch you know they made a spot for me to be able to to catch touchdowns with the guys and we had a great team you know they had an entire playoff system uh, we won a ton of games I was always on winning teams you know I was always on winning teams I don't think I ever in all my years of playing football fourteen years I was never on a losing team and uh, you know Coach James Porter I've talked about him before about how you know he started crying actually at our at our banquet speech. Need to go into that again because I've talked about it before, but yeah, he started crying when he talked when he talked about my love for football, and I know he loved football, and um, yeah, it was a real special thing. I was embarrassed actually. I was <laughs> I was uh, I was embarrassed that day because you know he he made me he, he put the spotlight on me, saved me till last, and it was a special it was, it was a unique thing. And I tagged Jimmy Jackson in this one, right, James Jackson. Uh, as you guys know, I've talked about him recently. I met him up up with him in, in the New York here recently. And we've been keeping in touch. He's gonna he's a coach at a high school. He's putting out good vibes. He's being a mentor for a lot of young men out there, standing for good things as a father, husband. Uh, you know, he's working on putting out a podcast of how to fulfill your dreams and make your dreams come true. And, uh, you know, YouTube stuff. So him and I connect. And he keeps in touch with. Guys like Tony Temple, who is a good friend, is a good friend of mine, star player. You know, both of them scholarship, you know, Division One high caliber running backs that contribute to the Missouri football team. I remember Jimmy was the first guy that, you know, when I when I started working out down on the field, and I realized, well, I'm running around with guys that can kill me right now if if they want to. You know, like legally, it's it's not going to be a good idea, but if they want to run me over and kill me, they can. And like that's these were gladiators that we were out with. These were these 300-pound, so big that they had their own gravitational pull. And Jimmy was just a positive light for me from the very beginning. A great teammate. I know he would do it for anybody on the team. It's just a testament to who he is. And you know, he said, "You cool, man. You doing good. Yeah, good to have you out here, bro." You know, like that type of positive energy. Just a brother of mine from from the get go. Always has been. Always will be. Uh, and uh, you know, I tagged him in the post. And cool to get that and to, to reconnect with the Spartans, you know, saying, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie 300, but when the Spartans go to the moon, you know, they go off to the Agogi, and I felt like when I started playing tackle football, I felt what I, I really did to go to my own Agogi, I mean, it was the toughest thing I've ever been through in my life up until that point, you know, going, we used to do these hitting drills called Okies, where you would lay down head to head, right, and it was my first time doing real contact, I, re I remember the first time I went went against this dude named Stephon Greer. He reminded me of Ken Norton Jr., the football player for the San Francisco 49ers, middle linebacker. This dude looked like him. He was mean. This dude just ran me over. And I was like, I don't know if I like football. I don't like the way this feels. <laughs> I remember just getting laid out. And, you know, the first year I tried out, the coaches would have us run into them and hit bags. And the coaches would make me fly through the air. I'd hit the bag, and I'd do like a backflip. And I think some people even laughed at me. You know, I didn't, I was so small, I didn't know what I was doing. It hurt. It did not feel good at all. I mean, I was getting handed to me. They call it cleaning your clocks. I got my clocks cleaned over and over again. You know, I got trucked. 
I got trucked by guys like Savon Greer, and I, as I got older and bigger and stronger and more brave and more courageous, I, I learned how to hit harder, and it gave me a huge advantage for when I moved to Missouri because I had a couple years under my belt, and I knew what it felt like to, to score game-winning touchdowns and pressure, and, and um, yeah, it was, it was a really, really special experience. I never went to the church before. I've always wanted to do that, but we fought hard and had success for years, and, you know, it was it was special. Those dudes had swag, too, you know, growing from California, the Bay Area. Learned a lot about all kinds of stuff in my early years, and we used to run hills, and we would chant Spartan things, like, when you tell him, when you, like, one guy at the front, the leader, would scream, when you tell him, and the rest of the group would scream together, so, like, one would be like, when you tell it, the rest of the group would be like, when you tell it, right, everyone. Tell the story, tell the story, tell the whole damn world, this is Spartan territory. And then we would have, like, we would hit our pad, we'd be like, you know, like, we would do all kinds of, you know, we were, we were, we were warriors, man, we were some tough kids, we really were, I, I'm not understating that at all. Um, so, you know, I guess moving on to the next picture then, I had a picture of Coach Sumner, I wrote up a nice little thing about him, someone said, I don't like that you guys don't have any explanations for me. So I did. I explained a little bit about the Coach Sumner in this. And yeah, Coach Sumner's a very special coach. And all the coaches, uh, well, a lot of the coaches had a very significant impact on me. Coach Sumner was right there at the top as far as what a, what a meaningful impact he made in my life positively. Just an unselfish uh, person, tough as nails, teddy bear, right? Like very tough tough guy but very caring on the inside very caring of his athletes very uh, as a father as a husband you know he's got a couple kids his son is actually the head football coach of Eureka right now he inherited the torch uh, you know Jake Sumner uh, his other son is a, a wrestling and football coach at Lafayette John is John is the youngest and John is his youngest son John and I have always been friends he was a guy in my family that was always friendly like a duck to me John was just a, just a tough kid, you know. Him and I, our first day, when I moved to Missouri, John, it was John's first day of school, actually, in Missouri. And I was in fifth grade at the time, maybe even fourth. Uh, and I met him, and he always, he looked, he just looked like a, a little pit bull, you know, like, just tough. He, you know, he has like a, a birthmark, you know, and I was like, man, this dude's, this dude is cool, A, I can tell he's a badass, you know, and he always was, you know, so John, John has a bunch of kids of his own, and they're all doing, like, super, they're all super successful at wrestling, they're, you know, they're like young Spartans, you know, and, uh, I nominated, uh, Jimmy Portier, Porter in this photo with Coach Sumner and I, and people's choices voted for Coach Sumner, because of me, and, you know, Jimmy Porter was, uh, the guy I just mentioned was the son of my first head football coach at Spartan, and uh, I don't keep in touch with Jimmy, but we're friends on Facebook, and, you know, he looks he looks just as tough as ever. I scroll through some of his pictures, I see his dad in here, so that makes me happy to see that he's up and supporting his son, uh, as he always has, uh, so that's not a surprise, but it's just good to see, good to see a picture of him doing, it looks like he's doing well, and, you know, 
Yeah, it looks like Jimmy's uh, become an MMA fighter. So you want to talk about being a tough, a tough dude? I see a bunch of pictures of these from Kim, you know, fighting MMA. So that's Jimmy's story. No surprise. Um, and then uh, yeah, that's day nine. So day tomorrow's day ten. I don't know. I could post a hundred pictures of football. So I don't know. I'm gonna post a picture of the bowl win and call it a a ten day series. But we'll see. We'll see what. Uh, We'll see who I hand out the final torch to in this fun little Facebook uh, event. But uh, other than that, you know, I, I think uh, if there was anything else I wanted to talk about, you know, it is a special episode, 77. Because I was talking to a buddy today. We were talking about a conversation we had in the past about we, we, we've met up a couple times, you know, I, I felt for the longest time I, uh, I was not, uh, religious at all. My dad gave me a course at the state level in orientation when I was, when I chose not to, you know, before I remember when I made that choice, I felt a little dark cloud, uh, go over me, uh, you know, and I don't mean that like a terrible thing, but I, f- I felt a little lonelier when I made that choice, you know, but I did, and I stuck with it, and moved on with my life, and uh, I remember I started praying regularly when I was in like eighth grade, I would, I would pray every night growing up with that, even, even though I didn't really believe, or, or whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, but uh, I felt this bug come back to me after football finally ended uh, at Missoula, you know, this bug kind of, it was a seed that was planted, I guess, uh, even actually conversations with guys like Chase Patton and Austin Cobb and things like that, just these little seeds that got planted over time, uh, one of them, you know, with, uh, with Wally, actually, Wally Elias, who I mentioned earlier in that, but, uh, nevertheless, um, yeah, it came back. It's weird how that happens. Uh, some people are forced to live like religiously Catholic or one of those things and reject it after, you know, things are all BS and all that stuff. And some people, um, rege- you know, some people, it finds them eventually. I don't know how you want to put it, but it, 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 it finds a way into their heart, you know, and, and I, I guess you could say that. I'm one of those people where it's it's a, a seed was planted in my heart and it's grown into a, a pretty pretty solid oak tree, I'd say, you know, and I have no agenda of trying to sway anybody into believing what I do or anything like that, but it's it's a huge it's what it's what gives my life so much richness and It's, it, it grounds me in it, you know, I, I, I'm just, you know, uh, I think when football, I played football in some ways, when I was, when I was on top of the world, I felt like I was, you know, I mean, to take ownership the way you have to as a football player, in some ways you are, you're taking ownership as in, 
make this happen. It was up to me. You know, like you, you, you kind of. I guess what you were, what I'm trying to say without saying it is that I was playing a little selfishly. I think, you know. And um, after I realized that it can all be done in an instant, you know, I, I realized that there's a lot of this that's truly out of my hands. There's a higher power here. I felt like when I got hurt, you know, a higher power stepped in and took control of my life and said, no, this direction is no longer a path for, for evolution. Not as, not, I'm not saying as punishment or anything like that, but it's just there, there's a reason for it, you know? Was no, no longer it was no longer my choice, right? There are some things that we can choose to do in this life, and some things that are out of our control. Like through the prayer, you know, praying in the wisdom to control the things I can to let go of the things that I can't, and to get the wisdom to know the difference. And you know, I, I was wise enough to realize that it was a changing course in my life outside of my control after I got hurt, and uh, it slowly led me to um, to this to this concept of the higher power and falling in love with a chick, you know, my college girlfriend, you know, and truly, truly, you know, being in love with her at, at the time, and uh, I remember my first time hearing, you know, the, the, the Corinthians Bible verse at Barry's prom, you know, discover my love or you go to wedding, and I was like, how, how is it that something can articulate how I feel about someone so well? Some people read a textbook and they feel like an expert. Some people go out into the world and then they can come back and read a textbook and they're like, oh yeah, this is this is true, or oh, that's kind of off. But like, I experienced something, came back, and then had text that validated a feeling that I had, which was Corinthians, I think 1 Corinthians book, or three through seven. I forget, I forget. You guys know, it's love is patient, love is kind. But I, the first time I heard it was at, at a wedding. I started crying as soon as I, you know, really got to me, you know, and I, and when I fell in love, I realized, like, something can't be so beautiful, this girl can't be so beautiful on the inside and on the out, um, you know, um, just by chance, right, so, uh, that was, that was a, a big change for me as well, and in fact, her and I talked once, you know, she came from a, we were going through a hard time once, and she uh, she went home, and when we were about to break up early on in our relationship, and she came back, and she told me that she was praying, and I think we never really talked about that deep, you know? She was praying that we would be okay, you know? And she, she was embarrassed to admit that to me. She said, do you think that that's weird that I was crying? And I said, no, I don't think that's too weird. I talked about God a little bit, and I said, do you, do you believe in God, you know, and she said, yes, what, what I do believe is that nobody should think that the whole world revolves around them, you know, that, that, and, um, I guess I, I hate to selfishly admit that in some ways as a younger man, I felt that way, you know, and, um, as I've grown, uh, that's not true, I, I think 
it is dangerous to serve yourself uh, and think that you are the highest power. And in some ways, it may feel natural to do that to a young, fantastic athlete who, you know what I mean, has the world at your fingertips in so many ways. And and then you might think, well, yeah, like this is all about me. You know, like I can do anything. my will and outside of my control uh, that was a, a, a big turning point in some ways and uh, I always uh, I make a vow that if I ever do break a leg or I mean anything it doesn't matter football whatever you know that uh, I will truly give all all glory to God and I give all my glory to God now you know past present and future um, is there anything else that I wanted to talk about Bruce Almighty is a good flick. I think about that when I think of my, my buddy Wally. Uh, we were doing comedy tonight, and we got Bruce Almighty to sing in the theater. And, you know, just the whole connection that we have with him. Um, I haven't seen that show, God's Not In You, lately, so I don't know how that thing's been going. But in some ways, I feel like this podcast is kind of like we have that parallel. I was talking to an agent for, for acting, and he said, what's like a TV show that you'd like to watch? And I said, God Planted Me? <laughs> I told my girlfriend, she's like, that's the dumbest answer you ever could have said. <laughs> he probably didn't know how to respond <laughs> to that. Like, he's like, he's like God, God Friended Me is not that like popular of a show. <laughs> uh, but you know what? The truth will lead you down the path that you truly are destined to be. I, I do believe that. You should never be afraid of the scary or as silly as it as it may seem as, as much of a detour as it may seem to save your life I realized like you can live a, in a web of lies or you can you can take your staff and drive it into the ground and, and drive it into the ground and, 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 and say that I will I command everything around me to look down like me right to, to I I will not allow myself to be dictated and manipulated to suit me. I will let the truth have its say and live my life according to the truth. And I think if you if you do that, it's a very brave thing to do. If you live in truth and honesty, the world is transformed around you. And you don't have to be afraid uh, of creating a web of worth saying. I believe that. I've seen it. It's been true in my life. Um, so, yeah. Um, is there anything else that I wanted to say? Yeah, I was talking to my buddy and uh, today and we were talking about some of these things in the verses and parts of the Bible of Ecclesiastes, I talked about chasing the wind, uh, chasing the wind is something that people, it's a metaphor, right, 
We're chasing money, chasing success, chasing girls, chasing worldly things, uh, and it's it's what a fool it's what a fool does because it's it's an illusion, right? And and uh, you know, don't don't get caught up chasing the wind, right? You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never have enough material things. It's always an ongoing carrot, you know, to chase them. thankful for the things that you do have and build on on good, right? I think something that a lot of my high school football coaches and, and teachers do and it's fun. Um, so I think that that's I think that those types of things are, are important. And I told him that in becoming the best comedian well, this is what I'm telling you guys I don't know if I'm telling you this right. In becoming the best comedian Someone asked me where my kindness comes from. You know, we really dug down deep, and you know, I was like, I think it comes from my mom. She raised me in the Philippines. She spoiled me with love, you know, and, and uh, part of that kindness or that ongoing empathy is somewhat is somewhat inherent, but it's also because of my faith, you know, in, in love. You know, I believe that love is God. God is love, vice versa, and, um, you know, my mom, uh, my mom was raised Catholic, uh, she's, yeah, so that's where it all stems from, is the whole belief in love, belief in God, um, and I think that, uh, for a while, I was always nice, I was always a nice guy, regardless of my religious beliefs or whatever, but, uh, it all made sense, uh, Somebody once told me that I was, you know, I was different. I was such a nice person. This girl told me this once, and she kept telling me, "Oh, it's God. There's no such thing." That it's causing me to be so kind, and I thought it was the dumbest thing ever. But they're like, "No, it's not, right?" And anytime God would come up in conversation, I was repulsed by it, right? Because I thought, "No, that's that stuff is nonsense. It's ridiculous." You know, uh, no, I'm, I'm nice because I choose to be nice. Is what I think, uh, but she was very. She had a conviction that that was something that really came from within God's control, and um, yeah, I thought that that was uh, that always stuck with me, and I always thought about that later in life. That yeah, she meant it from the bottom of her heart, and I just I thought that that was you know she was a nice girl, and it was just you know it's there's a lot of um, symbolism behind names and um, numbers. interesting thing. Everyone should know what their name is, you know? I think everyone should... There's a reason why when you introduce yourself to somebody, you say your name first. You know that? Like, it's it's an important... It's it's a part of your... Everything that you are, right? Is your name. And, and some names have a lot of meaning. And some names are just by happenstance. Your parents chose that name for whatever reason. And it's awesome. It doesn't... You don't have to have some cool meaning behind your name. But it's fun. There's a lot of meaning, and uh, there can be. There oftentimes is, you know. Um, but I was telling my buddy today that I do believe that I'm on a mission in some ways, uh, a spiritual mission with my comedy. I feel like uh, as I as I break away and set my own path in the in, in the direction.
direction I truly want to go as an artist and comedian, I'm, I'm going from a, I'm not being exter- externally driven, I'm being internally driven in the path that I'm starting to choose in, in my comedy, uh, and that I have been doing for a while in life, which is letting my heart dictate the path and my gut rather than what everyone else is doing, what other comedians are doing, and all those things. And it's it's really, I feel like you're chasing the wind if you're just doing what everyone else is doing. And you're, if you're just chasing Instagram likes, and I mean, I, I, I put stuff on Instagram for fun, and you know, I, I like a like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I think that that would be inappropriate for me to just sit here and pretend that I don't <laughs> like getting likes, you know? I think everyone sees what little likes bites, you know? But I think chasing them too much can be unhealthy, and I think you gotta, rather than chasing something external, you wanna chase, cha- chase you want to run your journey on the internet, on the internet side. Um, and I do feel that I'm becoming a lens for, my, my humor even is, is becoming in some ways a lens for life. And laughter is, is the best medicine. So I do feel that without being corny, right, uh, or too obvious with predictable ending and all those things, that I am going down a path of, of light, uh, pursuing light, I guess, trying to bring light to the world through my comedic voice and through my through my honest dispositions while still remaining goofy, fun, lighthearted, and not getting, you know, super deep all the time, which I know this podcast is pretty deep, um, forgive me, uh, if it's annoying, but if you're still listening, maybe that means that you are in a period where you're enjoying it. Um, so I do feel like, uh, in some ways, you know, Muhammad Ali was on a spiritual mission as an actor, and in some ways I feel like I'm on a spiritual mission as a, as a comedian. Not in some ways, in in many ways, but mainly as a comedian at at this point, you know? I'm doing it for a higher power, I'm doing it for love, um, to honor that, to glorify it. Anyway. What? Uh, I'm not sure, Jessica. I'm re- I'm recording a podcast right now, though. Pardon? Um, one second. Are you having? Okay, cool. Okay. So, as we get ready to wrap up here, I think in conclusion. My buddy thought it was really cool that I was uh, being like he, he told me he thought it was kind of cool and brave and that I have strong conviction and confidence, you know, to go down such a, a unique path, I guess. Um, but that's coming from within, man. It really is. It's coming from the heart. And um, that's why I'm here. stretch my wings to, to fly, flap those wings, man, flap your wings, yeah, I think, uh, I think I'm ready to wrap up here, I think that the only things I want to talk about are, um, some things
talk about two last things in the spirit of episode 77. Uh, regardless of any enjoys and everything else, whether or not you wish to just pray. I think pr- prayer is good. You don't have to be a specific sect or anything. I think different religions are different. I think that there's, I believe that prayer is very powerful. It's something I've been doing since I was younger. Before I even believed in God, I would pray to him. Sometimes I'll just say the Lord's Prayer and just be thankful. Admit thank being thankful out loud, you know, for for the opportunity to play football on a Monday and uh, and let there be a football practice on Monday. Or pray, you know, pray for those things. And I think a good prayer that I saw, uh, regard again, like so many people hate like the Catholic religion because of all the negative things that have that have happened um, with the priests and and the angels, you know, I hate to bring that up, but you can't ignore the truth, and these are terrible, horrific, bad things, um, you know, that, um, you know, uh, religion uh, can be separated, I think, from your relationship with what I believe is a higher power, Um, and it it can be a tool to, to assist with that relationship if done right, but Either way, I do think that the Pope is, is cool in a lot of ways. Um, well, I think he's really cool, actually, to be honest, without trying to be whatever. But I think he's awesome. Um, and there's this thing called the five-finger prayer. Praying for your friends and your family, right? That's one. Praying for your parents, teachers, um, you know, those that uh, look over you and help you grow like that, things like that. Praying for the needy, you know, people that are in positions of political power, things like that, celebrity status, whatever, you know. Praying for the ones that are weaker than you, the ones that can't help you, the ones that maybe you can help, right? Um, Praying for yourself. I think that uh, these are five good things to pray for, you know. And I'll just leave you with that. And, uh, And finally favorite verse at this moment in time is the one that I feel like I'm compelled to share uh, is if I have the gift of prophecy and I have all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but I do not have love I am nothing he's saying that you could have the entire world in your fingertips but if you don't have love then you are nothing you have no power it's all meaningless Corinthians 13 dash 16. Uh, the other Bible verses I mentioned to you earlier, 1 Corinthians 13 uh, 15 through 17. So, you know, I'm not saying that I believe every single thing word for word, but when something resonates, when I read something and it resonates with me, then I, then I share it, right? I don't feel compelled to just quote something that I've read in the Bible and say, this is right because someone said it to me and I have never lived life and I'm not saying that happens sometimes it does I just think I should look more I have never lived life that all I know is from my perspective I've lived this you know and life is meaningless without love it doesn't matter you know you can live for a thousand years watch all your friends live and die and all those that you care about come and go like that rich lady from Game of Thrones right she lived so long don't have love you know 
life life has been thrown around on this record to make it so it's not like you can't hold on to it, you know? <laughs> you gotta hold on to the love, but you can't you have to learn to let go of certain things that are temporary. I think that's a big part of love, is learning to let go. And I've had to do that, you know. Um we're all gonna lose people at different times in our lives. honoring that love, you'll, you'll never love that thing or that person any less when you let go, but learning to, to move on and to regrow, you know, the movies, the strength in the movies that we have, I think that that's all super important, and, and it's part of becoming an adult, part of moving forward, and that's a big part of say that's that's pretty much it guys this podcast has lasted a while and uh let's give it up for my superman hat and why don't we do uh this is somebody named kal-el you guys you guys know who kal-el is kal-el is uh you know dark progressive punk a lot of religious symbolism with superman my favorite superhero Anyway, I hope you guys are, uh, don't worry, this isn't a special episode, it's episode 77, so it's a divine episode, I'm not gonna, you know, talk about God for the entire episode or between the episodes, I'm just gonna do it, but I felt the need to make this one special and kind of honor love, um, and my belief in love, and, and what it can mean in a special way, and I think that I can, I feel pretty good about it, I'm happy with it, I feel like everything I said was for me, um, so I feel good, I hope you guys have a great week, and maybe if you help spiritually restore, um, who knows, but either way, God bless you, I love you, I appreciate all of your support, and I'm out here fighting, I'm out here fighting, so I hope you're fighting for a, a good and better life this week. Got to put like one foot in front of the other, and then you're like, which one now? Oh, here's a foothold, and it's like you go again and again. You're like, oh, right and then left, right and then left, and sometimes you even have to change, you know. But that is my message to you before, as Michael Irvin says, anytime you get knocked down, look up, get up, and don't ever give up. So, thank you guys. I will, uh, I will meet you at your game.